0: This is the Hockey News podcast.
1: Welcome to this special edition of the Hockey News podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. Joining me here is Ryan Kennedy. Usually, I'm over there. Today, I'm over here. Uh, we are going to be talking about Spangler Cup. I think. Meh. The let's, Toronto Marlies. Toronto Marlies turn. Let's keep going okay world junior championships we're gonna go with that uh we just released our world junior special one of our favorite issues for sure indeed uh it's got team previews on every single team of the tournament a bunch of other useful information a really good story about unicycle hockey uh totally not related to this uh any of this but uh we're gonna go team by team and then kind of go through a couple other topics so we'll start off with group a and the biggest question Kazakhstan, they were the uh, sweet Caroline Darlings last year, the team everyone liked watching. They were a lot of fun. They kind of surprised people. We all thought, oh, you know, Kazakhstan, not great on paper. Denmark, they've got an NHL prospect goaltender. They should be the team that's making the difference. Is this going to be the year where
0: Kazakhstan goes back down? I think it will be. And it's. It's tough because you want to see a program like that get some traction, but what we often see with some of these minnow countries is they'll have a good run with a certain age group, and then they can't sustain it. Now, Kazakhstan will have a couple of players from last year's squad, Andre Bielski, Diaz Maxim Musarov, all coming back for the forward core, and you know those guys are going to have to be really good. But even if they are, I'm not sure... If it will matter, because you know, you're looking at the crossover, I think right now. I, I don't see Kazakhstan knocking off any of the other teams in Group A. I guess Slovakia might be a target for them, but I still see a gulf there. But you're really looking at the crossover and Group B, it's going to be either Germany or the or the home Czechs. Mm-hmm. Both of those teams, I think, are, above Kazakhstan in standing so if the Kazakhs are going to survive it's going to have to be an epic team game they're going to have to keep the score down it's going to have to be very defensive they're going to have to get excellent goaltending and for me that's just it's a lot of ifs but I mean we know they have the spirit from last year we know they can come together and we look at last year's
1: team it's they they weren't particularly good in any kind of facet of the game. Their goaltending made a, a couple of really big games, but overall, that was a team that just got hot when it mattered. It, it, it's going to be a little harder to do that this time because when you look at the other group, and you look at Group B, you look at the, the Germans looking like a pretty good team, looking mm-hmm. like the Czech Republic, should be able to be fine. When you look at that, it's like they may not have that chance to kind of take advantage of a team like they did with Denmark last year.
0: Right, and Denmark last year, I mean, they just did not want to be in the relegation route. You could tell that it was just done. They hadn't scored the entire round robin. I mean, they were overplaying Malte Setkoff on defense way too much. They weren't getting goaltending. It just felt like Denmark was, like, resigned to their fate. And Kazakhstan took advantage of that in full points for doing so. But I I agree. I don't think they're going to have that opportunity this time. Goaltending, how important is it going to be for Kazakhstan? Because they pretty much have to
1: be... Goaltending always is the difference maker for these smaller teams. We saw like Vladislav
0: Nurak play last year, and he looked good. Is
1: this going to be something where they really, really need to rely on them again?
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, if they have any shot at staying up, it's going to be goaltending that helps them out in that relegation round. I mean, I'm already presupposing that they're going to play for relegation, and... Those are cool. the games where, you know, they're not going to get blown out. Like when they play Sweden, when they play Finland, we could be looking at 7-1, 8-1 games, that sort of thing. When you get to the relegation round, it's probably going to be closer, and that's when your goaltending is going to have to be at tip-top form. Yeah, and that's, that's the issue of
1: Kazakhstan. This is not one of the stronger... Uh, I must say teams that kind of survived relegation because when you look at Denmark how they stayed up for all those years they still had a lot of their core from the 2015 team yeah. for 2016 obviously they didn't have Nikolai Ehlers but they still had guys that were important the year before which helped them stay up in Kazakhstan they've a lot of their players from last year's team were 18 year olds that are 19 now so they have that opportunity but it's they don't have a whole lot of names that are really going to change things like we know that Maxim Mirosov's is actually a pretty solid player i not draft eligible, or well, he is draft eligible, but not likely going to get drafted type no. thing. But he's he's got enough skill where he can go out there and lead the the charge. Uh, David they their probably their best player, but he's a six foot four defenseman doesn't really score. Mm. If your best player doesn't score, yeah, you're, you're Denmark at that case. exactly. That's not exactly what they're going to be. So it's going to be down to the relegation round, and we'll talk about who they'll probably play. I have a couple ideas, but let's just say Group B is going to be really tough to. Like, Indeed, you, we could actually see a total shocking team kind of fall down. Yeah, maybe not likely. Uh, we're going to look at Slovakia, and this is a team that they will, they won bronze in 2015, and it was obviously one of the best moments that we've seen in recent international hockey. And they've stayed up the last couple of years, but it's been a kind of a struggle.
0: What are your thoughts with this team right now? I I don't see a really threatening team here, but I think that they'll be good enough to make the Mm quarterfinal. And to me, the question becomes, can Samuel Halavich steal a game or two in net? Now, this is a player who was draft eligible last season, uh, was in the USHL. I had actually a chance to see him live uh, with Lincoln. And at the time, he was very raw. He did not have a good season. Having said that, he is now in the Quebec League with Sherbrooke, and he is arguably the best goalie in the league right now. 9.25 save percentage, three shutouts through 22 appearances. He's got great size. And here's the stat that I really like about Halavich for this tournament. He has played in four games this season where the Phoenix surrendered more than 35 shots. He has a 2-2 record in those games. So what that tells me is he's going to face a lot of shots with Slovakia. Again, particularly against Sweden and Finland, and then hypothetically whoever Slovakia plays in the crossover, it's probably going to be either Canada, Russia, or the U.S. Oops. High-power teams. <laughs> so my question for Slovakia, because they don't have a lot of talent elsewhere on their roster, is can, can Halavage pull off a miracle? I think he has the makeup and the size to do it. Now it's a matter of execution. Can he actually steal a game and get Slovakia into the semifinal? You know, I I sort of have the joke with the World Juniors that anything can happen in the quarters, but nothing can happen in the semis. You know, you can have one upset, but it's really hard to have another one when you're down to just four teams because you're most likely playing a team that could and should win gold at that point. So... Could Slovakia make it to the semis? I think that Halavich gives them a chance, ever remote as it may be, but at least he has that potential to do so. And,
1: and not only like that, it's like compared to some other goalies we've seen from Slovakia in the last five years. Like this is a guy who's got major junior experience. He's played against a lot of the shooters in this tournament. Mm. So he at least knows how to adapt to that style. Plus he does have the added bonus of kind of growing up on the bigger ice. So mm. for a goaltender, learning those angles is actually much harder than you would think. True. Uh, so that could be very important. Uh, a couple other guys that I really like on that team, Martin Kromiak, and he's a guy that uh, he was, I believe he was number two for the, uh, the import draft. Yeah. To yeah. The Kingston. Yeah. And that's a guy that he's obviously got a lot of talent. What are your thoughts on him?
0: Well, I'm intrigued, and it'll be fun to watch him play live. He he obviously did not go to mm-hmm. Kingston. He stayed back in Europe, and you know I think he's getting some good experience there. I think this is a player that we'll be watching for in the draft, probably in the sort of second, third round, depending on how everything shakes out. But I think that this is a great opportunity for him because Slovakia does not have a deep roster. And because the program is going through a huge sea change right now with new coaching, you know, they're rethinking the whole structure of junior hockey in Slovakia when it comes to, yeah, yeah, you know, HK Orange is done. Um, You know, they're looking at hot housing, um, you know, under 18s instead of under 20s. And I think that's a very interesting gambit. We'll see if that pays off in the next couple of years, but I think Chromiak has a real nice opportunity here to put his stamp on the national team and, you know, maybe bump up his draft stock a bit. Let's move on to
1: Sweden, because this is a team that, uh, oh, that defense, Woo. that's a fun defense. Uh, they, have never lo- they have not lost a round-robin game in this decade. Do they?
0: Are they finally going to change that? You know what? Once again, the Pools... Really favor Sweden. Yeah, I mean the the toughest games going to be against Finland, their arch rival. Otherwise, you know, you look at these games on paper, and Sweden should win all of them. Yeah, we know Finland based off of how the few, the past has
1: gone. Finland actually might be playing for a relegation.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Finland, it's like gold or bust. Yeah, and it, <laughs> they got gold last year. They got gold <laughs> last year, so we're just going off the trends, but. The big question for me with Sweden is: Will they have enough offense? Because you look at that defense led by Rasmus Sandin coming over from the AHL's Toronto Marlies, and I mean they have so much talent back there: Philip Roberg, um, you know Tobias Bjornfot, Matthias Norlinder. They have so many options on the back end. But Soderstrom, Victor Soderstrom's there now because Adam Boekfist isn't coming. But they had such a good defense last year as well with Eric Brandstrom and so many good guys. Um, But it didn't translate to offense. And that's my question here. You know, Jacob Olofsson's hurt. Philip Hollander's hurt. You know, what are they going to do for centers? You know, Carl Hendrickson, the Rangers pick, is a favorite of mine. I would love to see him reunited with the Terror Twins, Alex Holtz and Lucas Mm -hmm. Raymond, both of whom— That's catching on. I know it's catching on. I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it every chance I get. The Terror Twins. We're going to get T-shirts made. Um... But the, that trio has played well together. And Holtz and Raymond, obviously, up for the 2020 draft. So, I mean, Sweden has weapons. And then they got David Gustafson from the Winnipeg Jets. Obviously, that's going to help as well. But outside of Holtz and Raymond, there's not a lot of high, high-end offensive skill. You got a lot of good players. You know, Oscar Bach's another one. Um, but that would be my concern for Sweden once we get into the medal round. Again, I'm not worried about the round-robin at all with Sweden. They're either going to be first by a mile or maybe they drop one game and they still have a, you know, a, a f- totally good showing. You had a good chance to say,
1: if you're not 1st or last.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Ricky Bobby. But unfortunately, Kazakhstan's going to be last, so yes. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, but that's my only question. I think goaltending's going to be solid with Hugo Allen the Tampa Bay Lightning pick. It's just a matter of do they have enough high-end offense to face off against a Russia, a Team USA, a Canada, for example. When it gets down to most likely the semifinal. So you've
1: talked about the Terror Twins a couple times now uh, on the Prospect Podcast. We know how good they're going to be, and you know the Rangers might luck into one of those two guys. In yeah, the past, it's true. It'd be pretty interesting. Yep. Uh, when we're talking about those guys, what type of impact do you see them having at this tournament? Because we know that you know they've kind of had some mixed results out oh, playing in pro. Sweden but we know they're going to be pretty good players they got the talent they dominate anytime they play internationally but they're still young guys at this tournament they're still 2002 born players going against guys born in 2000 Mm. how much of an impact are they going to have at this tournament
0: I still think they have the opportunity to be very good you know at the World Junior Summer Showcase they didn't put up numbers necessarily but they were very dangerous when they were out there so I think that the potential is there for them to have an impact right away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Holtz is the scorer. Raymond more of a all-around guy, but also very dangerous. And again, you know, they've shown chemistry with Carl Henriksen before. And due to Sweden's injuries, I wonder if Coach Thomas Monten is going to have to go with that combo because it's a known quantity. He knows it works. You know, you won't have to do any juggling. Hendrickson is sort of the motor on that line. He's the conscience. It's almost like when Sebastian Aho played with Patrick Line and Jesse Poliarvi for Finland at the World Juniors. He kind of let the, the young guys run and he took care of the, you know, the, the homework as it would be on the defensive end. So I, I think that they can really help. And I think the key will be for them to get on the score sheet early. And again, because of the favorable groupings, mm-hmm. I think they're going to have the chance to feast on a couple of teams. And if they can do that and gain confidence, then the medal round could be very interesting for them. Speaking of the team that uh, knocked them out last year, mm-hmm. the Swiss. And we uh, before
1: recording this, we just watched the Swiss play Canada, and I believe it was a 3-0 game for Canada, which then brings up the question, who is going to score for the Swiss? Because as we've learned in the last forever, uh, yes. Switzerland really strong on defense, and Nico Gross is going to be a good defenseman, and that goaltending is going to, I think, hold up. Who's gonna score the goals for this team? Because we know Valentin Nussbaumer, We, I guess, we both kind of overvalued him compared to the
0: NHL. But right, what who's gonna score for the team? Well, yeah, Valentin Nussbaumer, the Arizona Coyotes draft pick, is. Option number one, two, and three, if you think about it. and Not a good sign. <laughs> not a good sign. You know, he's, he's been okay in the Quebec League, wish you win again. I, I think we expected more because of how he played internationally early in his career. And it's been a bit more of a slog for him. Having said that, he's going back to international ice, and that might just suit his game right now more. I think we've seen that with a couple of European players that, you know, they come over here, they're adjusting to a new culture, but also a faster game where you have to make decisions a lot quicker. So now he goes back to a comfort zone. He's on a national team where he knows a lot of the guys but I don't see a lot of depth after that. You know, I mean, they're going to have some older guys, um, you know, Jillian Kohler, Matthew Verboon, who's at Colgate. These are, like, decent players, but they they don't have a high end to their offense. So, I mean, somebody's going to have to step up besides Nussbaumer, and Nussbaumer himself is going to have to be lightning. I think with Switzerland, really, this is a team that, Obviously they want to be in the quarterfinal, that has to be mission number 1 and I and think can. I think that's a totally yeah. achievable goal. It would it would be disappointing if they weren't. Um after that, I mean this is going to be a team that needs to grind. I don't see Switzerland winning a lot of games by scoring 3 or 4 goals. I see Switzerland winning 2-1 games. I think that's going to be their Pathway to success.
1: Look, well, you look at last year. Philip Kurashov was the like the only guy really scoring for that right. team, and the, the goaltending kind of stood up. And so, so we talked about the fact that they're not going to score a lot. Let's look at the goaltending with Luka Hollenstein and Kira Schmid. These guys are actually pretty good ba- uh, goaltenders. Like they they kind of made a huge impact for that team last year, especially when it really mattered, especially
0: against Sweden yeah exactly and you know I think having that experience really helps and it's kind of funny because Holstein you know he had the better results but Schmid has the NHL upside because he has so much size and raw potential devil's prospect right that's right they New like Jersey their, devil's they like pick. Swiss goalies they like the, yeah exactly Jill Sen your boy <laughs> yeah yeah um, so yeah I mean it's good to have those options it, it's, it's unfortunate that two of their best players are goaltenders because yeah. <laughs> you can only have one in the crease at one time don't call the rest yeah exactly <laughs> um but again, you know, as we said with Samuel Halavich with Slovakia, if you can get a goalie who can steal you a game at the right time, then all of a sudden your tournament takes on a completely different complexion.
1: Let's, uh, let's talk about Finland, the last team in group A. And this is, uh, this is the question mark. As we said, this is a team that, uh, every time that, every time they win, they struggle the next year. The Finns have... No Anton Lindell, at least at this point, he's not on the roster. Uh, for, from an injury, he's a 2020 prospect. That's a big loss, I guess. Well, what type of impact having him not in a lineup? What will that have for that team?
0: Well, it makes it tougher for the Finns. I think they have an okay offensive attack. You know, you look at Lenny Kalinin, Otto Kiv and Mackey, um, Patrick Puistola, Ranta. Like They've got weapons. They've got a, a pretty good amount of NHL draft picks. But I'm looking down the middle, and they've got Rasmus Kupari on loan from the Los Angeles Kings and and AHL Ontario, really. He's going to have to be big. And, you know, he's been there before. He's won gold. Uh, I'm sure that experience is going to be very helpful. And, you know, he's a fast guy. So I think he'll be an impact guy down the middle. But with Lundell gone, I'm very curious to see if Atu Ratti can make an impact. Now, Atu Ratti, he's kind of in the same boat as Anton Lindell was last season. (laughs) A late birthday, up for the draft for the first time next year. So, you know, Ratti, we're looking at a 2021 prospect. I loved him this summer at the Junior Club World Challenge, or Junior Club World Cup, I'm sorry, (laughs) in Russia. I thought he was a dominant player, uh, and obviously doing so as a younger guy, playing competition that was as old as 20 ancient. Ancient, exactly. <laughs> now, he's been playing uh, a decent amount of games in Finland's top league with Karpat Olu, mm-hmm. uh, the team that Jesse Pugliarvi is actually playing for right now. And he's playing third line center, which is pretty great for a guy that is only 17. Um, so I'm wondering if he can have some sort of impact right now on that team. For me right now, Ratti is the number one prospect for the 2021 nhl draft and you know we haven't seen much of him obviously yet uh because he is over in finland but maybe this becomes his sort of showcase tournament where the Finns need somebody to step up he's got the size he's tenacious and he's very skilled i think he could have an impact if he gets the opportunity
1: uh, I want to talk about Ville little later, but I think we're talking about Rattie and how he'll be an impact player and how Londo was last year. Uh, I think we see a little bit more of the European teams just maybe because of the smaller talent pools that yeah. they'll rely on the younger guys. When, like, the fact that, like, Byfield and Drysdale made it, like, this year for Canada, those are almost surprising because Canada doesn't typically bring a whole lot of young guys. But for Finland and Sweden, they're okay relying on those guys. So, I guess, how how different is that compared to everybody else like how important is that for a finished team to rely on the young guys that, that just kind of shows like you know you, you don't need the old guys to do it they're almost looking at this kind of unconventionally
0: yeah and it is sort of a case of I mean we you know we only have a pool of so many elite teenagers and therefore we have to go with the best whereas with Canada you could easily make a Canada B squad and they would beat probably half the teams in this tournament. I mean, it's just that big a pool. So when you look at Finland and the success they've had with underagers, Lionain Pugliarvi, um, Capo Kako, and Anton Lindell last year, like they've won gold medals with guys that had not even been drafted yet. And I think that's something that for... Countries, you know, we think about Finland and Sweden as hockey powers, and, and it is true, but they're coming from smaller populations, and it really speaks to how well they've developed a national culture with their hockey programs where, you know, Sweden can bring Holtz and Raymond. Finland can bring Aturati to their final camp, and it's not strange, and it's not strange for these guys to have even top six roles, on what is supposed to be a 19-year-old tournament. So, you know, good on those countries for maximizing the assets they have and recognizing that, you know, sometimes you just go with the upside and you let these kids sort of run loose and, and see if they can win you something.
1: Which almost makes a question if Shane Wright has a chance at Canada next year. Uh. Maybe, maybe a little bit of a stretch there. Uh, going to Villain-a-la, Uh you got to talk to him during the summer. This is a guy that yeah, we almost thought, well,
0: you know, he's with Winnipeg.
1: <laughs> He might not be going to this tournament, but that's a huge addition to this finished blue line.
0: It really is. And what I'm intrigued with is, you know, do they pair him with Anthony Honka, the (laughs) Carolina pick? Because they played together in the summer at the World Junior Summer Showcase, and I had a chance to speak with Hanela there, and he loved the chemistry they had together. You know, both the guys um, can play with the puck. Both of them can put up some offense. Honka, uh, a bit more of a swashbuckler than Hanela. You know, Hanela, a very smart player, more of a two-way guy, you know, when Came to his draft year last year. More than one scout specifically called him a poor man's Miro Heskinen. And, you know, it's not a knock on Hanla. He's just younger. Still pretty good praise. Totally good praise. Um, Maybe one day he can evolve into a player like Miro Heskinen. Uh, For now, Hanla, I think he's going to be very crucial for the Finnish blue line. I think they'll be pretty decent back there, you know, they've Uten in back, the Canadian killer and <laughs> yeah. Vancouver Canucks prospect who always seems to score a dagger goal. Uh, um, <laughs> Pietro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, Finland's going to have a pretty decent back end, but obviously Hainel is going to be a big driver there.
1: And then behind all that, Yusse Nuuri who's been fantastic in the Finnish league. I believe he's got the record now for the the best the longest shutout streak in league of history.
0: Yeah, he That's got off run. to a great start. And, you know, he's a Colorado Avalanche prospect with a lot of upside. And this is going to be a big goaltending tournament mm-hmm. in my mind. There's so many good candidates for top netminder, Which we'll save for later. Which we'll save for later. Save for the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Anunan is going to be very strong for the Finns. And, you know, again, going back to uh, who will win Group A, I mean, could Noonan stonewall the Swedes? Totally. Mm-hmm. Could could Alnafeld stonewall the Finns? That could also happen, yeah. too. Uh, it's going to be strong competition, and I think Anunan gives the Finns a chance to win every time he's in the net. Yeah, this is a Finnish team that,
1: you know what, a lot of their success in the past is just due to grinding games out. They're not going to be a super high-scoring team. When you look at the 2014 team, for example, where Tara Vinen went on a tear, it was kind of him and not, nobody else really kind of putting up the points. So I think that was... Like, that's almost the Finnish style in international hockey. They're not, they don't need the talent. They've just got the chemistry. They've played together in multiple tournaments over the last few months. These kids have been growing together since they were 15, 16. And I think that's something that's kind of underrated in a tournament. Like, it's just the chemistry of staying together.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you look at the results at the World Under-18s in the past as well. Um, You know, Finland has been a a program that you're right. These kids grow together. They're very familiar. They know the style. And, you know, another X Factor I would would bring up is, um, you know, coaching – With Finland. We've seen it very up and down where you've had some great successes and then you've had some guys that haven't even lasted the whole tournament. So that's something to consider as well. But I think Finland is going to be one of the stronger teams coming out of Group A. And then, of course, the question being can they adjust to the competition of the crossover when they're going to have to face one of the better teams? In group B, unless they win the pool. Um, But even then, you know, if you're playing the Czechs or Germany, you got to watch out because they're not going to be pushovers. To finish the group, give me your first to last. Sweden, Finland, Switzerland, Slovakia, Kazakhstan. It's pretty easy. That's exactly what I have. All right. There you go. That's it for that group. All right. We're going to move on
1: to group B, the group of death. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to start with Germany, a team that, you know, in the past, we look at this tournament, and it's like, thanks for showing up. Yeah. Not this
0: year. No. Uh, this is, I have to say, the most exciting German team ever. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the past, you could say Leon Dreisaitl, very exciting, but he was kind of a one-man wrecking crew. Here, they've got depth, and I think that's the most exciting thing about this German squad. Moritz Sider the Detroit prospect on the back end. And then up front, you got Dominic Bach, the Carolina prospect, Justin Schutz, the Florida prospect, and then a trio of 2020 draft eligibles Tim Stutzel, JJ Paterka, Lucas Reichel, all of whom I think could be top 50, maybe top 60 picks this summer. So you're looking at a German squad that it's not a one line wonder, it's not a one player wonder mm-hmm. for that matter. These guys have some depth, and again, they've known each other for years. It's a smaller pool. you know. This is a team where a lot of these guys helped Germany come up from relegation. They earned promotion last year, and a lot of these guys were there. So they know each other, and I think it's going to be very fun to watch them. Not only this year, but a lot of these guys will probably be back next season as well if they stay up in the tournament, and I believe they will. I think... Even if Germany finishes last in the pool, which just because it's such a strong pool is a possibility, it's hard for me to see them losing the relegation tournament because of the weapons they have at their disposal. And the good thing is that with Austria moving up next year, Germany has
1: another chance to stay up because I still think the German roster looks better than the Austrian roster for next year, which is very important because Austria, they, they didn't have Marco Rossi. They kind of still surprised everybody to go win that tournament. But a lot of their key players aged out, mm. which kind of makes that tough. Now you mentioned the Germany; they're kind of a well-rounded team. They also have a good goalie too, Hendrik Kane. You know, mm. he he's been playing really well in the four nations events that the Germans have taken part in, and the fact that they kind of have someone very notable at every position. They don't yeah. have like a total weak spot, yeah. Which is something we don't see at a recently promoted team. So like even even Kazakhstan, we they kind of just survived enough against Denmark, mm. where they were they were able to stick around. They're not going to have that opportunity if Germany
0: plays them in the relegation round. Totally. And, you know, I, I'm talking about the relegation round, but what I'm really curious of is New Year's Eve, Germany plays Russia. Now, at this point in the tournament, given how strong Russia is, they could already be mm-hmm. 3-0. Uh, or f- yeah, 3-0. Yeah, 3-0, exactly. They could already be 3-0, not necessarily playing for a lot. If the, and the Russians, sometimes they take their foot off the gas. Could Canada the Germans—Canada, too. too. Could the Germans pull an upset on a Russia or even a Canada, for that matter, if, if goaltending goes south? I think that opportunity is there, that these Germans, if they can come together, they can maybe pull off a surprise. Can they beat the Czechs? Obviously that's gonna be the game that they zero in on where, you know, if Haynes not starting every game, you know he's gonna be starting against the Czechs because that's their best opportunity to win a crucial game and avoid the relegation series. Now, obviously the Czechs being the home team, they're gonna be <laughs> zeroing in on that German game yep. as well. So that's gonna be quite the fight. But you know, with with the talent they have there, I just feel you can't dismiss the Germans wholesale right now. I want to talk a bit more about Lucas Reichel. This is
1: a guy that kind of, anytime he's playing for the German international team, he's on fire. And it's, for, for a tournament like this, having the guys who have that experience playing in international tournaments, it matters. And like we were talking about the Finns, it's like having that chemistry truly matters in a tournament like this because you need to have guys who are familiar with the situation in such a short tournament because you don't want to, take the foot off the gas. Hmm.
0: Uh, You talked a bit about Reichel in the past, but I guess what do you see out of him? Well, I mean, I see a lot of potential. You know, this is a kid that has a ton of hockey pedigree behind him. You know, his uncle, excuse me, is Robert Reichel, who obviously has a very good international resume for him. And, you know, like I said earlier, I think Reichel is going to be a very good prospect for the 2020 draft. He's putting up a really nice amount of points in the German league, playing against men. You know, we've talked more about tim Stutzel. i think tim stutzle no, is probably the yeah. t- you know the top prospect in this German class, but I don't think Reichel's too far behind. And, I mean, if he keeps playing like he is, maybe we get into a debate, you know, is Lucas Reichel a first-rounder? I don't think it's out of the question. And how he performs in this tournament probably will open a lot of eyes for scouts because it's going to be such a heavily attended tournament. And I wanted to mention Reichel specifically
1: because I think, at least in the last few months, we've seen the gap between Tim Stutzel and Lucas Reichel close up a bit. Mm. Uh, Stutzel, though, what does he bring to this German team uh, other than skill because this is a team that is deep compared to the past but like what does he
0: bring to this team and what should Uh, draft fans be looking forward to? Well, I love Stutzel's motor. You know, this is a player that you notice every shift. He wants to make things happen. He'll go and play in traffic if it means getting a scoring opportunity. You know, he does not give up on chances. And I think in a tournament like this, where you have to be going full bore the whole time, it's really suited for Stutzel's style. Um, So I think he'll be a fun player to watch. All right, we're going to switch to the Czech Republic. And I think
1: we could agree if we were to look back last year, like that was the year where it really should have been their time to shine. Yeah. And they didn't, their top line just couldn't produce. How does this team compare going on home ice? Because there's a lot of pressure. There is a lot yeah, of pressure. There's no guarantee.
0: They'll go to the quarterfinals. That is very true. Th- this is a very different looking Czech team. And maybe it's what they needed last year. You know, they had the big names like Netschish and count and you know, it just really didn't come together. Having said that, Lucas Dostel in net, very good goalie. Very good goalie was excellent for them at last year's tournament. Now he's even more experienced. He's got a year, you know, once again playing against men over in Europe. Um, I think he could be a real difference maker for him. And then you look at the forwards, Jan Yannick, one of the top scorers in the OHL this season with the Hamilton Bulldogs. He's been fantastic. You got Jacob Lauko, um, the Boston pick. You have Mache Blumel, the Oilers pick. Uh, Mache Pekar, the uh, Buffalo pick, having a fantastic year. Very Brad Marchand-style player. Definitely, definitely an agitator. Um, so they've got weapons up front. The defense... It's still a little dicey for me. You know, Martin Hugo Haas, the, the Washington pick, I think he's pretty decent. Libor Zabransky's undrafted, but he's got a lot of experience. Um last year the defense score wasn't great. I think this one it might be marginally better. Um but I gotta see how it all comes together. I, I think they have enough depth up front that they can they can maybe scare some teams, and they have the goaltending to win a crucial game or two. Now it's a matter of can they step up to the pressure of playing on home ice and winning enough games to have that respectable result and to you know avoid the relegation round and kind of like
1: Switzerland it's you know, you'll get some of these smaller teams that have one good goalie and then just goaltending after that mm. this is a team where. Like, every goalie they brought to camp looked really impressive. Now, to the time that we started recording this, Daniel Dvorak, I believe, was the only goalie that was cut. Hmm. That's, like, you're having a guy like Nick Malik up there. Like, that's it's a good group.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then you have Lucas Peric, the, the Los Angeles Kings pick, and Jan Bednar, uh, who's up for the draft this year. I mean, it's great timing for Czech goaltending. And unfortunately, again, as we said with Switzerland, you can only use one at a time. Um, but at the least for the Czechs... You know, if you have to go with different guys during the tournament because you're playing Russia, the US, Canada, I mean, none of those are going to be easy games for the Czechs. The Germany game is going to be the key one for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they roll out in which games, how much rest they give Dostel, um, and just where they focus their attention in order to make that quarterfinal field.
1: And true or false, compared to last
0: year, this team's more well rounded. Yeah, they're probably, they're probably a bit deeper this year. I just think that...
1: So they were, ba- they were trying to, On paper, they should have relied on their stars last year, and they didn't get that done.
0: Exactly, and that was their downfall, is that they didn't get production at the top, and the whole kind of house of cards fell. This time, I think that they have a little more depth all through the lineup. Um, they have guys with different skills. You know, Laco and Picard are bangers. You know, um Peter Kaika is a great shutdown player, but then Yannick is a high-end skill guy. So they've got different skill sets there. And now it's just a matter of maybe they needed to be a little more of an underdog squad and not be so hyped up.
1: We're going to talk
0: about the Russians because
1: this is a team that it's always a— we get to see them and most of their roster at the CIBC Canada-Russia series, Mm. but they still are always a—we don't really know what their full potential is. Uh, also, they did send half their team to a different tournament during that uh, Canada Russia series. So right. There's that. The question I know that I would love to talk about is Askarov the guy here. I also love Askarov because we know he's going to be a good goalie. He's yep. a potential top 10 pick in this year's draft. But there's Amir Miftakov who was with the team last year. He had an okay Canada Russia series. Not a big guy. Mm. Askarov seems to have everything. Is he the guy despite being the youngest goalie
0: on the team? Well, this is the biggest question of the tournament for me because I believe that Russia has gold medal potential. I would say the Russians and Americans are the favorite to win gold. But if the Russians are going to go all the way, I think Askarov has to be the guy because of the ceiling he brings. You know, Miftikov, he's six foot flat, which is not ideal. I mean, you can kind of get away with it at the junior level for a while. But if you're playing a top-end team, you know, if you if you're facing Oliver Wallstrom and Cole Caulfield of the U S., they're going to pick corners on Miftakov, especially on the bigger ice where they have more room. Exactly. Whereas with Askarov, he's got the size. You know, he's got that sort of like X factor of he's never going to give up on a puck. He's got that sort of like he plays with structure and he's got great technique, but he'll also come out of his structure to make a save. He's got that sort of Hasek Tim Thomas vibe to him sometimes. For me, I would say go with Askarov as your number one. You know, play Miftikov a bit in the round robin so that, you know, the the workload is spread out a bit and you're not taxing Askarov too early um, overall. But for me, he's the guy. And, I mean, this really comes down to do the Russians trust a 17-year-old with their tournament or does the 19-year-old provide more of a safety blanket even if he has a little less upside? That's the big question for me. I think if you look at this Russian team otherwise, they've got everything else they need um, to be a gold medal squad. You look up front, Denisenko, um, Podkolzin, Marchenko, Morozov. Like It's going to be a really good offensive core. On defense, they have Alexander Romanov, who was the best defenseman in the tournament last year and obviously a very talked-about prospect for the Montreal Canadiens. They're going to have a good squad. They're going to be in the mix for a medal, as they always are. Now the question is, do they have the cherry on top to win gold? I think Askarov's the answer.
1: And see, that's the thing you mentioned, how, like, are they going to go rely on the young goalies? Russia's got a history of not really relying on the young guys, but we saw Pod Colson last year, they were willing to give him the ice time. Now, obviously, totally different situation. Mm-hmm. There's not 13 goalies on the ice. That'd be very illegal. Yes. Um, with But Colson, this is a guy that... Isn't playing a lot of the KHL. Isn't he, every time he seems to play on the international stage, he does well. He didn't. He struggled at the under eighteen, but there was the belief that he was hurt. No one would deny or say confirm. yes yeah. Confirm the Yes, looking for that word. Uh, is this a guy that you know could use this as motivation? Say. This is a turning point for me because Canucks fans are a little concerned. He was he shot more than any player in the CIBC Canada Rush Series. He did play the most out of anybody, but he was sh- shooting an incredible amount and was not rewarded for it. Is this kind of his, I can prove
0: I'm still the real deal prospect with this tournament? Well, I think this could be a real confidence builder for him because... We know he has the trust of coach Valerie Bragan. The fact that Pod Colson had the role he did last year where he was out late in games, he was killing penalties as a 17-year-old, that's huge because Valerie Bragan likes his veteran players. But obviously, he found a kid that he trusts, a kid he thinks plays the right way. And I think that's going to continue in this tournament. You know, I mean, you talk about puck luck and Pod Colson probably not getting rewarded in that CHL Russia series, but he does so many other things. And Russia has other scores that if Pod Colson can play that bruising two-way game, even if he's not getting a lot of points, I think he's still effective. And, I mean, the wild thing is he'll still be eligible for the tournament next year which is just crazy to think about. But that's kind of the situation with Grigory Denisenko this year, where last year he was a marvel. Now he comes back even more experienced, and the Florida Panthers, I'm sure, are going to love watching Denisenko and what he can do.
1: And for Pod Colson, the, uh, there's been some questions saying, you know, he's uh, could he go and play in the AHL? And Technically, yes, but he's got a contract in the KHL. Right, just kind of screwing things up because as we know in the KHL they don't care about the development cycle if they know your plan is to leave if he was to sign a three-year deal oh yeah sure first sign good all good
0: yeah I mean maybe not with SK St. Petersburg because they are such a juggernaut but yeah he wouldn't be getting three minutes a game that's for sure three minutes is that's a lot in some games luxury some some games he gets one shift yeah like
1: there was one someone put a clip of him it was like the only shift he played of the game the puck got dumped in he came back off and
0: yeah, and that, that was that. that. that was it. Yeah, Sorry. and it's unfortunate, but I mean, I can kind of understand if you're a KHL team and you don't want to be just a feeder for the NHL. But it's really tough for the kids because I mean, they want to be out there and they want to be playing, and you know, they probably deserve a little more ice time than that. But you just got to find the right fit for them. Let's move on to the United States. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Nice. Okay, I'm going to count down to three, and you're going to say who the top
1: scoring player on this team is going to be, mm. and I'll say at the same time, we'll see if you get it right. Okay, three, two. One Cole, Cole Caulfield. Caulfield. All right, that was boom. Done. All right, podcast over. Um, yeah, we know Cole Caulfield's gonna be lighting it out there, and uh, I believe he was with uh, Zegers and
0: Turcotte uh, in uh, practices. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, Team USA, uh, as I said before, they're one of my sort of co-gold favorites because they kind of have everything. Now, the only question really was, I know the Americans were a little bit concerned about their center situation. And you think about some of the names they have at their disposal. Alex Turcotte, you know, Trevor Zegers can play wing or he can play center. Jack Drury returns from last year's team. Johnny Beecher is, I think, still underrated, uh, even though we We've seen him really play well at the World Junior Summer Showcase, and Boston did take him late in the first round. Um, But with the exception of Drury, all these guys are a bit younger. They're all, you know, 18-year-olds, all were drafted in 2019. So, you know, can they step up against some of the bigger guns in the tournament? Now, luckily, as we've been saying already, there's not a lot of elite centers in this tournament, for whatever reason, it's just more of a bigger year for wingers and, and even defensemen. Um, I think Alex Turcott's the kind of player that can be a big difference maker. And I think with Drury and Beecher, you're looking at two guys that can fill bottom six roles sort of above that station. Like, it's a luxury to have... Drury and Beecher as you're sort of three and four if you choose to go that way. So, I mean, for the Americans, it's not really going to matter too much until they're playing Russia or Canada or you get to the medal round. Um, I don't think it's going to be too much of a challenge, say, in the quarterfinal, whoever they play. But, you know, if you're talking about gold, uh, that's really it's, – it's a minor question is, you know, can you drive play enough if your center's um, – aren't those dominant veteran guys. And I, I personally, even though I'm asking the question, I think they can get the job yep. done. I, I don't see it being a huge weakness, but it's hard to find any other downfall with this squad because the defense is going to be strong and the goaltending is to be excellent and we know they have great scoring on the wings because not only do they have caulfield but oliver wallstrom was loaned out Mm -hmm. by the new york islanders so you're getting a huge gun on the wing there and a guy who's been playing against men all season whether it was with new york or with bridgeport in the ahl uh you mentioned that they had some solid defense we know keandre
1: miller might be a contender for top defenseman For he's, sure. He's, you, yeah talked to, about him at length in a clip that will actually, you'll, you can see it right
0: now in the comments, here. Uh, But outside of Condor Miller, who else do you like on the defense? Well, I think Cam York's going to be very very important, the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, he's their power play quarterback. And, I mean, that can be very important in this tournament, especially when things get tight. Um, You know, Matias Samuelson is kind of your shutdown guy. Um, They have a lot of different looks on the back end, and I think that's going to be a great strength of theirs where you've got puck movers, you've got bigger guys, and, um, you know, they can all come together. You want to have that versatility and I think that's a big strength of the Americans is that they have a little bit of everything. Yeah, and just, just to round that up,
1: Spencer Knight. Yes. See, here's the thing about the Americans. Again, another situation where they get two goalies who could probably get the job done no matter what. And when you got Dustin Wolf or Dylan Wolf, according to the United States uh, roster list originally. Uh, Dustin Wolf's on fire in the WHL, an absolute steal of a prospect yeah. in the seventh round by the Calgary Flames. And... This is a guy that's got unbelievable talent. He learned a bit under Carter Hart when they were both in Everett. Spencer Knight's going to get the job done. Do you think Dylan. Dustin. Dustin, Fall on victim's hat. Do you think Dustin Wolf, though, could go out there and steal games for them?
0: Uh, I think he could be. I mean. He could get the job done for sure, and it's funny too because they also have Isaiah Seville, who is a is a freshman starter with Nebraska Omaha in the NCAA. All three can come back next year, right? All three can come back next year. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty wild how deep the Americans are, and you know Seville being a Vegas uh, Golden Knights prospect. Um, I you know I think Spencer Knight's the guy that you know drives the train here, but the other two can certainly fill in admirably, and. You know, I, I would say Wolf and Seville would probably be, you know, not top five goaltenders in this tournament, but, I mean, they might be top ten goalies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, you were, if you were to take the totality of the tournament, um, those guys might be sort of 8, 9, 9, 10 versus guys on all the other countries, including starters. Um, so, obviously, a huge advantage for the United States.
1: And Spencer Knight, though, he's obviously, he's has got a league as we just mentioned, um as an almost I wouldn't say underage goalie, but underage compared to
0: some of the older guys, mm. um is, is he going to win the top goaltender award? work? I think that it's sort of his for the taking. And again, it depends on what Askarov does. Um I would say Alan and the Noonan and Dostel are in the mix as well. But Spencer Knight, you look at what he's done at Boston College as a freshman. I mean, he's been so good for the Eagles. And you know, we're talking about a kid that was just drafted. And and again, you know, he can come back next year. It's wild to think how good he is already, how much international experience he already has coming from that NTDP program. So he's got everything you want. I mean, he's just a complete goaltending prospect. He's got the size, he's got the technique, he's got the athleticism. The Americans haven't had a goalie like him since John Gibson. Mm-hmm. And if you look at them head-to-head at the same age, I think Knight actually had better stats at the NTDP. Well, Knight had, like, historically good stats. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about Gibson, you know, when he had his shot at the World Juniors with Team USA, he was dominant. 2013, yeah. Is Spencer Knight going to do the same this year? I think the table has been set for that situation. I'd argue he is not going to be the best goalie in the tournament, but I'll give
1: you that argument later. Yes. Um. Yeah, that's... United States, man, that's going to be a fun team to watch. Indeed, because this is like almost like the last real chance to see a big core of that U.S. development team from last year. That's so right; all of those guys could go to the NHL year after. Cole Coffee, for example.
0: Yeah, very true, and I think some of it depends on how well they do in the second half of the college season. You know, you look at Turfa and Turcott and Caulfield, and to a lesser extent, Keandre Miller, because he's already been there two years, the other two have just been there one. But, you know, if Wisconsin doesn't make the national tournament, do those guys come back for a second year because they want that they national would. title? They would win it in their second year. In their second year, you would hope, you know, as long as Wisconsin gets goaltending, that I think, you know, they would probably do it because the Badgers are so loaded. But, I, I mean, I can see a scenario where they come back, but but if they don't, then you're right. This, is, this could be the last vestiges of that Jack Hughes-led crew that was so dominant at the NTDP.
1: And to finish off our team preview, Team Canada. And we went to their selection camp. This is a team that obviously got a lot of publicity for a lot of reasons. The biggest question we asked heading into camp was, what's their goaltending situation be like? But right now the big question And we got a question from Chief Keefe, also known as Nick Antropoff, also not known as either of those guys. How much of an impact does Joe Valeno and Barrett Hayden have on this team? Because, Elise, heading into camp, but neither of those guys were there.
0: Yeah, and I think they can have a pretty big impact because of the experience they have at this tournament and the experience they've had playing against men this year. Valeno in the AHL, Barrett Hayden in the NHL with Arizona. You know, you look at this Canadian team and it's a really great collective. As we've said on the podcast before, the X you know, the big question is goaltending. Can they get good enough goaltending to be a gold medal team? I think that the jury's still out on that one. We just we have to see these guys play high end competition to really get a sense of it. And we don't even know who the number one is right now. I don't even think that's going to be answered until we get to the medal round. Um, so to concentrate on the forwards, having Hayton and Valeno, it just it crystallizes things for me. Where you know there were so many options for that Canadian forward core that when you take away a spot, you know, like I'm, for Hayden, for example, you know, we didn't know if Arizona was going to release him or not. But all of a sudden, if you're one of the guys that was near the bottom, you're going to have to up your game um, because there's one less slot to have. So I think it really kind of lifts all boats to have guys like that coming in um, because you want to have guys that are willing to step up and make a difference. Now, is it Hayden? Is it Valeno? Could be either one of them. Alexi Lafreniere, the number one prospect in the draft, it certainly could be him. He has that quality in his game that he wants the puck he wants to be a difference maker that is crucial in this tournament I spoke to head Canadian scout Brad McEwen for the magazine and he was saying that having a guy that wants to step up can make a huge difference here last year they didn't get it they bombed out in the quarterfinal year before that they won the whole thing they had multiple guys stepping up so when I look at this roster, you know, you sort of ask yourself, who could it be? Well, the guys I mentioned, you know, Quentin Byfield, I think, could do it. Connor fantastic Mc- camp for Byfield. Like, fantastic
1: that, camp. that has to be known that he did it
0: fantastic.
1: Yeah. Like, like, this isn't a guy who's just making the team. Like, no, exactly. He's a difference
0: maker. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he earned a top six role. Connor McMichael, who's been one of the best players in the OHL this year with the London Knights, Washington Capitals' first-rounder, he could be that guy. On the back end, I think Bowen Byram could be that guy as well, the Colorado pick, because he has that instinct in his game where he wants to get the puck up the ice. He wants to make things happen in the offensive zone, uh, even though he's doing so from the blue line. So I think they have the guys that could step up. Now it's just a matter of seeing who does it and if they do it. The defense situation is pretty interesting
1: because this is probably, I, I would say, and maybe you could disagree, maybe we say the Americans, of the team that has the best chance at matching Sweden's, Sweden's defense is Canada. When you look at a guy like Jamie Drysdale, he had a good camp and he looked really good against the Swiss. He was, he took
0: the shot that led to the first goal. Mm. How good is this Canadian defense? I think it's pretty good. And, you know, we, we talked about the Americans having a lot of versatility, and I think... Canada's pretty good in that regard as well. You know, Kevin Ball is the big rig back there, Mm. 6'7", 240 pounds. He's got the reach. You know, you've got Ty Smith, the sort of prototypical new school defenseman, puck mover. Very possible. That's right. Uh, In New Jersey, thanks to the Taylor Hall trade. Drysdale, you know, even as your seventh, he's so smart and he's so good with the puck. You know, Kalen Addison's a puck mover. Jacob Bernard Docker, I think he could be kind of a sleeper in this tournament because he's got such a good two way game. Um, I think he can be a nice kind of security blanket for some of those puck rushers. Or, you know, if you put him on a pairing with Ball, he has the capability to take the puck up the ice as well. And then, of course, we already mentioned Bowen Byram, a guy who has premier offensive hops in his defensive game. So I I think it's a very exciting decor. Now, the only thing is they got more left shots than right shots. But to me, that's a minor quibble. So when you look at a guy like Bone Byram, and we
1: talked about some of the better defensemen in this tournament, how, how do you think he ranks with the best? Because I mean, this he, is a guy that actually had a really good uh, selection camp.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's right up there. And, you know, I mean, he went super high in the draft to Colorado, um, even though he's younger than some of the other top end guys. I think he's right there. And the thing with Byram is, you know, there's still a little bit of a risk in his game, but he's so smart and he's so quick that he usually covers up for it if he makes a mistake. His goal is always getting the puck out of his own zone, and he's very effective at it, and I think that's what makes him a very good defenseman.
1: Let's go a little deeper into the goaltending. That was something we when we did the Canada Selection Camp uh, roundup last week. We still weren't totally sure who the guy's going to be, and we know it's not Hunter Jones at this point. Hmm. Um, by The problem is there's a four-day break between Canada's first exhibition game and their second exhibition game. So they had a, like they have some time to look at Nico Dawes and Joel Hoffer. Um, who's your number one guy at this point? Because uh, I, the problem is against Switzerland, you're not getting the hardest competition to right. really prove yourself. Finland's going to be a better job if all of a sudden Rodriguez and whoever – shares the net with him, assuming someone does share the net with him. Does that make a difference? Or is the fact that the two goalies split the first game as opposed to the second game does not mean that maybe Rodriguez the favorite?
0: Yeah, my instinct is that Canada wants Rodriguez to be the guy. And he has to earn it, but I think he's going to have the inside track. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why you saw Dawson and Hoffer sharing the crease against the Swiss. Obviously, they've got options here. I don't think anybody really stood out in Oakville. I thought Dawes sort of stood out early, but then he kind of came back with the pack. And, I mean, ironically, Hunter Jones, I thought, ended well, but obviously not well enough.
1: Statistically, he was the worst in all categories.
0: Yeah, yeah. But he he gave up a couple early goals, and then he was stronger sort of in the second half when he played. Um, Having said that, I, I think that between the three they have right now, no one has really stuck out and, you know, been that Carter Hart type of goaltender where it's like, yeah, yeah, that's the guy, no question about it. So I think the the only benefit of being in the group of death is that they're going to get to see their goalies play against Tom Competition early and hopefully that gives Canada a sense of who's really going. And they might have to try a couple of different combinations and maybe all three goalies get starts. I have no idea at this point. But by the time you get to the medal round, you would hope by then that one guy has sort of set himself apart from the pack. Yep. So, yeah, Canada's a team that every year they've got good
1: skill. They've got depth at every position. It just will it work when it really matters? Because on paper, that Canadian team probably should have beat the Finns last year. And they did. Yeah, very true. When you look at that defense, like Noah Dobson playing a key role and obviously a stick broke. I think that was a a shame that they couldn't get uh, Kirby Dock and Noah Dobson this year because at least for Dobson, he would probably want to not sit in the press box anymore, but also he would like to um, get revenge for that stick. Right. Oh, Boy, that was that was something. So, uh, all right. So that's uh, the end of Group A. Uh, I want to hear your start to finish. First, uh,
0: fifth. Okay, this one's more controversial than Group uh, Group A was. I'm gonna go USA, Russia, Canada, Czechs, Germany. I'm gonna go
1: with USA, Canada. Russia, Jack. So just switch second and third. Right. Place. On. We're gonna to go to our viewer questions. I do. We do have a couple more topics related to this world junior. We're gonna take a little bit of a break to answer some viewer questions. The first one is from Danny Tiffany, and uh, he's a longtime follower of mine. Uh, which team outside of the Power Five, and he has Canada, Finland, USA, Sweden, and Russia listed. Do you see having the best chance to medal? And I'll start there. <sighs> yeah, like it'd be easy to go and just say the Czech Republic. I'm going to go a little bit out there, and I even though I put them last in the group, I'd say Germany. Just because they got the skill, they've got a goaltender who can be hot, they've got one of the better defensemen in the tournament and more insider. This is a, a team that m- will have to grind their way out there. But I think if anyone's at least going to surprise in Group B, it's, well, it's either them or the Czech Republic, essentially. Mm. I still think Germany's got a really good chance there because this is a team that's riding off the momentum of last year, winning the Division A tournament, and they're better than they were last year. So that's kind of a really key thing, that this is a team that's riding hot as opposed to a team, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the Czech Republic. That, could that hurt them?
0: Yeah, uh, that's uh, certainly a possibility. And, I mean, it would be fun to see the Germans make a run like that. Um, I actually do think the Czechs have the best – chance to medal outside the Power Five. I want it to be different. I knew you were going to I, I knew you were I gonna I gonna that. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I think they can, they've can. they got a bit of a Cinderella quality to them. Because last year was such a letdown, You know they're back on home ice for the first time in a long time in this tournament, and they do have a goalie in Lucas Dostel who can steal games. Uh, I think that gives the Czechs a chance. And you know it's going to be tough because with the crossover, they're probably going to have to play Sweden or Finland in that first game. Oh, Sweden—that's yeah, easy. They won. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I think at least the potential is there, and I, I think maybe they can they can ride the crowd to uh, some good vibes. And they really need that because they do. The Czech
1: Republic have not had a lot to cheer, about. Uh they, you know, even an under, another underdog there, Switzerland, being the team that went out there last year and. Shocked everybody that they've going Certainly up there in Sweden. And they just need to just hunker down and play 2-1 games. Yeah. Because they've got the goaltending, they got the defense, that if they can get two goals in a tight game, they actually might make something out of it. But, again, they, they're a crossover opponent. It's going to be tough. It's going to be quite challenging. Uh, this is kind of a fun one. Uh, Bryce Christopher asks, who were a few of your favorite World Junior stars that just didn't pan out? I'm going to go... I'm gonna go with Max Freiberg, the Swedish uh, player. He started off as a Ducks prospect. The Montreal Canadiens have his rights now, but he's been in back Sweden for the last couple of years. He had 11 points in 2012 when Canada won goal or Sweden won gold. But what was interesting about that team is so he he led the way with the nine goals. That was a, that and Zabinajed was there. Ricard Raquel was there. Philip Forsberg were there. But those guys didn't really play a huge role for that team. That was a Max Freiberg. Takes over type tournament, and I thought, man, this guy's a speedy guy, fast. Uh, he could shoot the puck. He was a good playmaker. Just didn't have the size to really translate. Couldn't find a role in the AHL. NHL just did not work out there. I, I was kind of always pulling for him to do well, and then I'd also say maybe Zach Fukali, a guy that mm. uh, going out there, and it was two two World Junior tournaments, right? Yeah, yeah. And the way he played in 2015 was incredible. Uh, at the same time, that team was just dynamite start to finish so that was a guy that you know he's, he's made a good career out of Spangler Cup performances he's going to be Canada's Spangler Cup goalie again this year and I love that tournament I uh, also the the really? championship sorry Matt uh, yes yeah, Spangler Cup is good uh, I have an article explaining why coming up Okay, at, at some point All right. when, I f- when I read it look for it HockeyNews.com uh, but yeah Foucault he, just, he, he was good when it mattered and you know when you got a team that was as good as Canada was that year for a goaltender, in a lot of cases, you just need to just not allow more than two goals a game type of thing. But he kind of stood on his head when it mattered, and uh, that team was just a lot of fun to watch overall. There you just go. Considering when you look at the 2013 team, it was supposed to be really good with the lock-in. just fell flat.
0: Didn't happen, yeah. I'm going to go uh, – I got a couple as well. The first being Nat Dominicelli. Uh, <laughs> 1996, gold medal on a team, a Canadian team that had Jerome McGinley, Alan McCauley, Jose Theodore. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of the timing – more than anything because you know i was like 16 17 and uh he had such a cool name that it was like oh who is this guy he's going to be a star and it never really panned out in the nhl i mean he did play for the calgary flames um but now he's actually a coach and gm in switzerland mm-hmm. and uh and yet and he's a swiss national yeah he played for them yeah so that was kind of fun uh the well, other before, one but you, you said 96 right
1: Yes, I did. Yes, I wasn't even born then.
0: There you go. <laughs> uh, the other one I'll mention is uh, Valery Nichushkin, Oh. Ah. And, you know, he helped uh, Russia win bronze on home ice. And uh, I'll never forget, because I was there, him powering past Ryan Murphy for that crucial overtime goal against Canada. Maybe uh, my expectations were too high. Maybe it's not actually that hard to go around Ryan Murphy, as we have found out <laughs> but, yeah. since then. But at the time, it was like, oh, this kid's going to be a beast. And I would say, actually, you know, Natsushkin is playing well for Colorado this season. Uh, but it took a bit a bit of a journey. It didn't work out in Dallas. With zero goals in 55 games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's funny, in that tournament, he didn't actually score that. That was his only goal of the tournament in retrospect. Um, yeah. But at the time, it looked like there was a ton of upside. A ton of upside. Hasn't pan out, but he's,
1: yeah, he's making a good, he's making the most out of his opportunity in Colorado. Indeed, he is. Especially with all the injuries of Colorado. Yeah. All right, we're going to talk about the 2020 draft because I think that's something that's really important this year with how good the 2020 draft is. Like, we're talking like 2003 levels of good, essentially. Uh, Give us a rundown, I guess, of the the top prospects that someone needs to f- to follow if they haven't been following the draft.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it goes right off the top: Alexi Lafreniere and Quentin Byfield for Canada. Um, you know, they could be one two in the draft, and then right after that, you got the Terra Twins: Alex Holtz and Lucas Raymond out of, out of Sweden. I think they're going to be huge drivers. They could be three four. Maybe number five is Jamie Drysdale, mm-hmm. who is yep. uh, with Canada right now. Yep. Um, just an excellent, smart defenseman. Jamie Drysdale will be the first blue liner taken. Easy. How high that is, I'm not sure. Uh, really, it's going to come down, I think, to team preference and just you know how they value other guys like Anton Lindell and Cole Perfetti. Um, and then, of course, you have Yaroslav Askarov, the top netminder in the draft class. Very well could be the first time we see a goalie go in the first 10 picks since Carey Price. And Askarov, I mean, there's just so much potential there. I think it is worth it for a team to step up in the top 10 and take him uh, if they need a goaltender of the future. Because I think this is the kind of kid that, you know, like Carter Hart, we could see him in the NHL as like a Mm 21-year-old. Oh, easy. So, you know, it's, it's not uh, a waste if you're a rebuilding team because I think you could get value out of Ascaroff sooner than later. And then still hanging out with the Canadians right now, Dawson Mercer. Yeah, that's a surprise. Pretty yeah. good, pretty impressive. Just a good hard-nosed two-way player uh, who can get you some offense. Very impressive for the Drummondville kid. Um, be interesting to see uh, if he can have an impact on this tournament. And Tim Stutzel, can't forget Tim And Stutzel. the Germans too. So so just to, to recap,
1: so you got a nickname for Ascaroff? the Dream Killer? The Dream Killer. You've got the Terra Twins. Yep. Um, laugh and Byfield. Got to come off a name for them. Even it's though true. They don't play
0: in the same league and they got nothing I know. to get together, but. I feel like Byfield will just be Q. That's yep. like an easy one. And everybody on Team Canada calls Laugh and Year Laughy, which is so hockey. Uh, yeah. Or laugh. Or laughs, I'm sure. Um, laughs and Q. Is a radio show. Laughs, laughs and Q in the morning. you got Laughs and Q. Yeah. Um, we got tickets to Aerosmith to give away. Yeah, we don't those don't actually just are... just for just for. We don't. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They, I because they're Canadian, they're gonna have boring nicknames, unfortunately. But so, like, the fact that this is such a
1: a strong draft year, it, it is actually quite rare to see this many talented players have actually impact roles. Because we're ta- we're not talking like thirteen forwards here. Like we're talking guys who yeah, of all top guys, liners. Yeah. All those guys we named are going to play important roles. Yeah. It'll, it'll be all got a question to ask her off thing is will they go with the goalie
0: option? Right. Like, I don't think we've ever seen something like this before. It's pretty rare. And, you know, we've seen players have their draft stock jump because of the tournament and 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 then in other cases you know guys like Linnea and Puljarvi it was sort of a confirmation of things that were kind of percolating already um, but then it was like oh no no Patrick Line should go number 2 yeah. behind Austin Matthews um who was also in that tournament, um, but yeah, it's it's true. I think um, you know expectations for these guys were already high, and because we've seen what they've done in past tournaments, and Lafreniere having been there last year as a late birthday, uh, I think definitely helps that situation. But you're right. I mean, it feels like we already know so much about these players, and now it's just kind of like exciting to see what they can do on this stage when they actually have big roles, like. Like, like, to put in perspective, like, let's look
1: at the 2010 draft where you had two fantastic players in Taylor Hall and Taylor second. Hall made the team. Second didn't. Second kind of was just always, like, left off of Canadian yeah. teams, it seems like. So that's actually a really big deal. Uh, moving on to our final segment, talking about – actually, our second last one, because uh, I do want to get your medal predictions. Gotcha. But let's go for our all-star teams, because I know when we ask for some questions, we got a lot of people asking
0: the all-star team. Give us your all-star team. Okay, and I'm going forwards uh, because I just don't feel like there's a lot of elite centers in particular in this tournament. So my three forwards are Grigory Denisenko, Oliver Wallstrom, and Alexi Lafreniere. On defense, got to have a Swede. So I'm going Rasmus Sandin. I think he'll make the most impact on that loaded Swedish squad. And then Alexander Romanov, (laughs) who was defenseman of the tournament last year, For Russia, I think he could easily repeat in that. And then for goaltending, as much as I love the dream killer, I'm going with Spencer Knight because I think we know that he's going to be the guy for Team USA, front to back. And, uh, you know, he's a year older. So I think this is Spencer Knight's tournament. Uh, But obviously there's a lot of guys that I couldn't get on. And you're going to mention a couple of them so I don't feel as bad.
1: Well, one of them that I'll mention that uh, you already had was Oliver Wallstrom. Mm-hmm. I think that experience is going to be very important. Yeah, uh, I'm going to also go with Joe Veleno. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I think that Valeno being ha- having that experience in the AHL, even though he hasn't been fantastic there, is important, and he's going to kind of a step out there that I think will be really good. Except he did have a long flight from California all the way to the Czech Republic. Yeah. And then Vasily Podkolzin. I mentioned him earlier. I think this is a guy that, yeah, you know, this is a big. Big moment for him. He wants to probably prove to himself that he's a legitimate star prospect in the making, that he could take over a team. And having a Hink on that team will, will help that. Mm. Uh, for defense, Keandre Miller. Yep, I already mentioned him. It's yep. it's hard to, to leave him off there, and he's going to be vital for the Americans. Uh, and then Rasmus Sandin, he's been so good in the AHL. you, yep. you got to expect him to be there. The goalie I'm going go to go with, I, I wanted to say Knights because I think Knight's the better goalie. But it's not always the better goalie on paper that come that wins it. True, and I'm going to go with Eustace Anunin because I think he has to be better mm. for the Finns than Knight has to be for the Americans, right? Because the Americans, again, on paper, are the stronger team than the Finns, which means Anunen's kind of have to. He might have to steal a couple of games, especially right. later in the tournament. So I think if the Finns are going to compete for a medal, it's going to be because their goaltending was that
0: good. Mm. Any other names? I think we left off that. I mean Cole Coffee would be in the mix. Yep. And, I originally uh, had him on and I yeah. put him on instead. Yeah. I mean there's a lot of good candidates, but I think you know I think we nailed them.
1: All right. To round it off, let's let's go I, I said metal candidates, let's go the whole thing. Let's go the 10, whole thing. ten to ten to one.
0: Okay, but are we doing metal candidates? Because then we're thinking about actual metal rounds. So do we want to do it that way? We're not
1: gonna make this too scientific. No, so, no. G- give us your projected.
0: Okay, so my, I okay. think I'm going to say Russia. We'll, we'll f- say the top three. Yeah, like, legitimately think. Like, yeah, who are going to be? But like, give the rankings for the rest. Right, right, right. Okay, so I think it's going to be Russia for gold, USA for silver, and I'm going to say Finland for bronze, just because of the way the semifinals will work, and you know, the Finland, Finns are a team that. They will play for bronze. There's certain countries that don't play for bronze. So I'm gonna say Finland for bronze. Uh, and then, so from their power rankings, I'm gonna go Sweden at four, Canada at five, Czechs at six, uh, Switzerland seven, Germany eight, Slovakia nine, Kazakhstan 10. Now, obviously, Slovakia and Kazakhstan. Can't play each other in relegation, Um, but those are sort of my power rankings. All right, I'm going to go with USA for Mm -hmm. gold,
1: Russia for silver, Canada for bronze, Sweden for fourth, fifth being Finland, sixth being the Czech Republic, seventh Switzerland, eight Slovakia, nine Germany has Dan so Nice. Uh, we'll see how completely wrong... Matt. See, if Matt was here, he would get all of it wrong just based off of all his predictions in the yep. past. It's uh, the name of the game. I, I always like to point out that my brother, he hates hockey. Very weird. Uh, he's not a hockey fan, but one year I said, hey, 2015, like give me the projected rankings. And it's like one, two, three, Canada, Russia, Slovakia. Who had Slovakia come in third place? You're right. He got all
0: three? There
1: you go. So, uh, that's it for... This edition of the Prospect Podcast, so I guess you'll be back. Uh, you're going to the tournament. I will so, be at the tournament. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, can you get some good food, I'm assuming? Pro- I hope so. Uh, you don't check it Make sure to definitely check out the uh, World Junior Special. Uh, some great stuff. It's about, I want to say it's 100 pages. Uh, yeah, 100 pages. Some great stuff. A really good story about video games from Matt that I thought was interesting. Yep great unicycle hockey star uh, and some other great features in it so uh ryan did a lot of the heavy work on the world junior team preview so definitely take a look at that uh there will be some extra podcasting stuff probably going on before, uh, during the tournament and we'll have a lot of articles every single day about the tournament so you will not miss a beat and uh yeah so thank you very much everyone for watching <laughs>